0: Coming up this week, off screen: Alice, Pierce, through we a Looking Glass, Top Cat uh, begins. Vincent Cassel is Monroy. George Clooney faces the Money Monster. Nicolas
1: Cage violates the trust.
0: Kate Beckinsale deals with love and friendship.
1: All those to come and more off screen. This is this is off screen. Off
0: screen. Mm. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Off screen, I'm Vancouver. Okay, so So, oh, we got to do this whole film review of monarchy every week, like usual. So every
1: single yeah, week. So yeah. I tell you, what,
0: should we spice it up then? Because we, we should talk about the elephant in the room, which is, of course, the elephant in the tuxedo, which is, of course, Mr. Bond. Because that happened uh, rather unexpectedly towards the end of last week, and we we, we missed it because of the the show window. We did. So this has, was... has
1: it been confirmed? No. That, this this is the like... thing.
0: Okay. So we had the news last week. The betting had stopped on uh, Tom Hiddleston being James Bond. He, that yes. wasn't going to happen now. <laughs> and Uh, they weren't taking any bets because Tom Hiddleston had been having lunch with uh, Barbara Broccoli and And Sam Sam Mendes. Mendes. (laughs) So Barbara Broccoli who's the producer of the Bond franchise, Sam Mendes who's directed the last two and of course Tom Hiddleston who at the moment is most recognised for a John le Carré miniseries. So you know there's a pedigree there. And I watched the first episode of The Night Manager shortly afterwards, and I can kind of see it now, actually. It's
1: pretty good, isn't it's, it? it? It's all right, isn't it? He can play a spy. I like Who'd you, Laurie, in it? it very much. Yeah. It's, but, uh, the entire cast is really good, actually. They are, aren't yeah. they? So, anyway, so this
0: thing. So, betting stock. And then, I say I think it was Thursday, Friday, the story emerged that Daniel Craig was no longer Bond. He That's was it. out. He'd been offered $100 million or £68 million for two more films, and that he, frankly, didn't want anything to do with it, which is bonkers, anyway. Who's who's going to turn down that amount of money? Daniel Craig apparently Daniel Craig yeah. apparently and it is apparently. believable that's the thing it's believable <laughs> after, so, after what he was saying yeah after yeah. the whole I'd rather slip my wrist than play Bond again it is believable yeah. um, however um, the, the you know, conversation immediately turned to is it going to be Idris is it going to be Hiddleston is it going to be Tom Hardy Are we Damien Lewis perhaps? it's going to be Damien Lewis mm-hmm. and no after our kind of traitor nobody is giving Damien <laughs> Lewis that role ever you know that's that's just it and also we so closely associate Damien Lewis with drone strikes because of Homeland mm. that really him Bond just seems weird now. Just doesn't work. It is a bit. So um it's now been confirmed by the BBC, however, that there's no decision going to be made for ages. They've not even, they're only now formulating the thoughts about what the film will be. They've not gone to the point of casting. They've not decided on even if they want Daniel Craig back. Daniel Craig doesn't need to make up his own mind for some time, apparently. And the BBC basically just, just you know nitpicked it all to hell and said, no what, this is, this is nonsense. I think BBC are just a bit
1: annoyed that we have to keep reporting about it. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. But also, the story originated from the Daily Mail. Yeah, which is not really a reputable source. It's not no, for film news. I mean, no.
0: the British tabloids have the worst track record of film news ever. I mean, remember when Matt Damon was going to be Captain Kirk? I do remember that. That, that was
1: a um, Yeah, a couple of years later, uh, I heard that uh, Sylvester Stallone was going to be uh, playing Star Lord's dad. Oh, yeah, well. yeah,
0: yeah. star yeah. Lost Dead, that was the thing. Oh, and and uh, Bradley Cooper is Indiana Jones. That's my personal favourite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, God bless uh, the, the tabloid newspapers for their wonderful collecting of film news. It, it, it gives us something to talk about. I mean, we have a policy with the site. We have to check every... It has to have oh, yeah. two independent sources. Um, Before yeah, and you know, and, then, and then a concrete origin source. But never mind. Okay, so... um, Well, should we plug the podcast and then do a review? Should we do that? Okay, yeah, why so? not? Let's, okay, let's so plug it. We're not going to have time to fit everything in this week again. We never do. We, so we're we saving. So for the, for the podcast extras, we're going to save Monroy, which is the Vincent Cassell uh, you know, love story, relationship drama. And we're going to save Top Cat Begins, which uh, I, I think just purely for reasons of cursing, I think we have to save it for the podcast extras, because it deserves it. <laughs> and then there's loads of film news and things. So if you want all the expanded stuff, if you want the, the bonus footage, as it were, go and down to the podcast edition, once you've listened to, presumably, this radio edit. And uh, it's in you know, iTunes, it's in uh, TuneIn, it's on ACAST, Acast SoundCloud. Yeah. It's everywhere. Any podcast platform, we're in there thanks to the magic of RSS feeds. Yeah, God bless technology. So, speaking of technology, you needed a fair share of it to uh, to create the first film we're reviewing this week, which is, of course, Alice Through the Looking Glass. Yes, it is. For Now We Peer But Through a Glass Darkly.
1: Is that is that from that book? I think it is, isn't it? sounds like a Lewis Carroll-ism
0: to me. I mostly use it as a Captain Picard quote, but never mind. So, it is three years on, three or four years on, from the events of Alice in Wonderland, and Alice has gone back to the real world and has become a pirate, for lack of a better term. She is a merchant sailor. She (laughs) runs her dad's ship, her her deceased father, and uh, whilst arguing with her employer, who was almost her fiancé at the beginning of the last movie, if you remember, Mm. um, she finds herself stepping into the looking glass, through the mirror, and going back into Wonderland, or Underland it it's called in this case and Alice obviously is still Mia Wasikowska and uh, back in underland all the usual cronies are there so we've got Alan Rickman is back as Absalom, the, the little moth. Is he a moth? Or? He is a... It's like a weird caterpillar, Flying kind of.
1: caterpillar, really. Yeah. Uh,
0: Stephen Fry is back as the Cheshire Cat. You've got um, Barbara
1: Windsor. Uh,
0: Matt Lucas. Matt Lucas Trin and Matt Trinity. Lucas. Trinley. And, yeah. Lee, and <laughs> Hathaway. And, of course, Johnny Depp as the Mad Hatter, who has a name, I think, we're given at some point. He actually does have a, a name, mm. like Harry Hatter or something, I don't know. Um, and it turns out that Underland is in a bit of a funk, you see, because the Mad Hatter is dying. He's dying of a broken heart, it seems. And you can tell when he's dying because his hair turns from ginger to a bit of grey. Mm. And and the whiter and more paler he gets, the closer he comes to death. It's like they're casting for a Lone Ranger remake, if you can imagine that. And you see, that was a real nerd gag right there. It, was. <laughs> it really was. It's subtle. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but if I hadn't acknowledged it. Anyway, um, so the idea is that he's gone into this funk because he has found in the wreckage, or in, in the forest, he has found the wreckage of one of his childhood hats. The first hat he ever made, which only his father had. And his father's supposed to have died when the Jabberwocky attacked. So, of course, his family can't be dead after all. They must be out there somewhere. But only Alice can bring them back. And to do this, she turns, of course, to Time, who is an actual physical person played by Sasha Baron Cohen, who's got the physicality of Peter Sellers and the voice of Werner Herzog, if you can imagine <laughs> such a thing. You're going to hear it in the clip. And she steals his his, uh, his uh, chronosphere, which powers the, the force of time itself, and uses it as a timeship to effectively Peabody and Sherman the hell out of Underland. Here's a clip. I seek uh, a thief. Of meager intellect Her hair <laughs> yes, Yellowish Her name Alice And what is your business with her? She took something From me I will not say what it
1: was It's not important It is a trifle I don't see why you're making such a fuss <laughs> It says nothing I must have it back But not that I'm concerned <laughs> As soon as possible. Either way, I'm fine with the outcome. Give it to me. Who knows about it?
0: Do you see what I read about Werner Herzog? Yeah, right there. Absolutely. It's so herzog and isn't it? Okay, so first and foremost, I'm not a huge fan of, of Alice in Wonderland, the Tim Burton 2010, 2010, 2011?
1: 2010.
0: 2010. 2010. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of, of Alice in Wonderland, and I don't think many people actually are. It was one of those films that everybody saw, but nobody liked. It was it was really weird, and it, it was this sort of murky, half-badly lit, badly rendered for 3D, cartoonish fantasy war movie, and it was kind of odd. About the best thing you could say about it was that it was really well cast. And that translates through obviously to the sequel, which has got largely an entirely returning cast, including the late, great Alan Rickman now, because mm. this has got to be his final yeah, project. I would now. say so. Yeah. Surely. I think this yeah. is the final this one. is it. Yeah. Um, and everyone's back on form. You've got the new addition of Sasha Baron Cohen into the mix. And he fits in, he's right at home. And I think it's because <laughs> he has that, that Tim Burton pedigree anyway. And he's Tim done, Burton. He's done uh, Sweeney Todd. He's, he's done, done Sweeney the, uh... Todd. And he also did. What was it?
1: Was oh, it right? um. Oh, no, it's
0: gone. Uh, no, it's gone for me as well. But uh, never mind. No, he or there. So Tim Burton's producing now. He's up. handed <laughs> the directorial reins over to James Bobbin. Of
1: course. Yeah. Uh, who, of
0: course, brought us the Muppets. And, you know, brought us the Muppets. He's doing. Uh,
1: uh, Flight of the Concords. That did. was the one.
0: Yeah. And, uh, well, and sadly, Muppets, Most Wanted, which we like to forget about. And he seems more at home with the wacky visual stylings of it. In terms of the storyline this time around, uh, Linda Wolverton, who wrote the first one, has come back. I think she's done. Maleficent in the meanwhile, it feels like Maleficent has taught her to streamline it a little bit. What you've got here is so much more focused, so much more A to B to literally Z and back again, uh, because that's the nature of the story. And it is Ziggy and Zaggy and and timey-wimey and twisty-turny, and it all works, um, but it largely works in spite of Johnny Depp, who remains the worst thing about these movies. I mean, were you a fan of the, his Mad Hatter last time around?
1: No, I remember it was a bit where he took his head off, and yeah. And then he was dancing around, and he did like a little break dancy bit. That that's really. That it? That was isn't when it? I kind of just sort of mentally checked out.
0: It, it is. Yeah. It's it, it's vastly overpaid mincing would be how I would describe. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty accurate. The character is still a garbled mess. Johnny Depp isn't reigning in, in at all, and he's the weak link again, but the rest of the film is really, really enjoyable, and it's so much more enjoyable than the first one. You will go in with low expectations because of because the first, of first movie, one. and what you'll get instead is actually a hell of a surprise. I really enjoyed it. I thought it really came together. It really worked. But it does work in spite of a really poor original and a really terrible sort of uh, added value appeal in terms of that star. And, well, you know, it, it, it's better than I expected. Got to get rid of that. With the latest film news and reviews... This is off screen. The on-screen radio show. And we're back. And you know what that means, Case? It's time for some Jane Austen, because every good day needs some Jane Austen.
1: Don't you know that? So have, I didn't know that. I missed uh, I the Jane Austen memo.
0: Did you miss the Jane uh, yeah. Oh well, it, it was written in parchment on parchment with a quilt. Not on A4. No. So it wasn't just printed on A4 like we do everything. <laughs> so um have you read Lady Susan?
1: Uh, no, I haven't. I have not.
0: I, yeah. I will admit, I, I am something of a Philistine. I I, know, I knew nothing of Lady Susan. And then I sat down to watch this film. Didn't even realise it was Lady Susan. I, I just knew it was based on. I thought it says based on the book by Jane Austen. And then you watch it. It's called Love and Friendship. So I'm thinking, this is it a Jane Austen book? It's because it's got the ampersand in between two words. You just assume it's a Jane Austen title. Mm. You know, like Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility, yeah, course, yeah. Amy and ami- Amiability, according to Blackadder. And, <laughs> and yeah, like Blackadder did that for its entire third season didn't mm. it yeah so what you get then is this adaptation of the novella Lady Susan which I think I'm, I'm reliably told by Mark Kermode is 84 pages long so, apparently, I have no excuse not to read yeah, it. Yeah, you could
1: read it now.
0: Yeah, I, I could yeah. probably read it in the space of this review. Um, so, what you've got is uh, Kate Beckinsale as Lady Susan. And she is a recently widowed socialite who is basically <laughs> trolling through her, her Rolodex of friends and family, visiting their estates one at a time for like a prolonged stay. Because that's just what you did back then, apparently. There's nothing else to do with it. it uh... It's not like they had telly or, you know, no, no, no Xbox back then. No Xbox. You just went. <laughs> To stay with friends and read yeah. their books. You go sit by a lake, look really exactly. Kind of Can blissful. I come stay at your place, sit in your parlor, and read your books? Yeah, and, yeah. Because no, I'm going to
1: be sit and be painted. Yeah. Well,
0: so Lady Susan, it seems, is, is not quite content to just read their books. She's actually on the prowl for a new husband for herself and her teenage daughter. The idea being to basically get themselves some some marriage, marriage acquired. Uh, Affluence, I believe, would be the term. Mm. Basically, they're gold diggers, basically. Lady Susan is a gold digger, for lack of a better term. But she hides it all behind this completely ironclad, impenetrable, self aggrandizing, <laughs> cynical sort of humorous veneer. And what you get is effectively a comedy of errors. Here's a clip. I'm sorry, have I done anything that's dishonoured you or father? To honour means, among other things, to listen with respect to a parent's sincere counsel. And do you listen with respect, Mama? just that that if you will not pay attention to me, then perhaps you will to a larger imperative. The law of the universe. An offer as splendid as Sir James's is not likely to come around again. He has offered you the one thing he has of value to give. His income. I fear and reproach myself, having shielded you for far too long. Had I let you starve a little bit more, you would resist much less. Mama, I was often hungry at school. not hungry enough in any case the starvation of the schoolhouse is nothing like that of the destitute Is that what you want? No, I can see sir. James is a kind man, and if it weren't a matter of marriage I'm sure I could like him Marriages for one's whole life Not In my experience in the cold light of day I, I understand this this may not be inherently funny right rest assured when I tell you this film is hilarious you really wouldn't think it. Somehow they have taken an Austin tone and, and made something a philistine like me who knows nothing of the source material can sit there and laugh himself senseless at. And I really did. And at the centre of it all is Whit Stillman. And Whit Stillman, if you I don't know if you're aware of the guy, he's the director of The Last Days of Disco. So mm. which starred I, I vaguely You remember that. I this remember starred that, yeah. Kate Beckinsale and Chloe Savini, both of whom are reunited sorry, here. Yeah. And this has got a hell of a cast caster. You've got Kate Beckinsale, Chloe Savini, Stephen Fry, Justin Edwards, Xavier Samuel it's a good cast all round and everybody seems to be in on this this trope that, uh, that Whit Stillman is trying to go for in which he's just trying to take the, the, the this sort of it feels like it's untouched Austen dialogue and just inject this venomous cynicism into it and as a result it comes out absolutely hilarious mm. there is a two minute long sequence towards the beginning of the film involving Kate Beckinsale and her, her, her handmaiden who is in fact her unpaid friend because to pay her would just be impolite being much. polite yeah. being polite that's what she said and uh... <laughs> and it's hilarious you, you will just laugh yourself silly it, it's very strange Um, what you also get in the middle of it all as well is this brilliant visual visual style that he's added into it whereby he it, it, it starts almost like a video game where characters enter a room they are freeze framed and you know, they're, they're, their character name and plot description comes up hmm. and it's really cleverly done you know parchment comes to life as they're reading letters and the, the text just flurries up onto the screen it's got an energy to it all and that's that's the key word for the film it's energy it's all about the energy all the time and i've never seen a take on austin quite like this i mean this somehow manages to outdo pride and prejudice and zombies in terms of un- Man, right. in, in terms of unlikely right. funnily enough i did actually watch that the weekend <laughs> i was but- not a fan of it were you not a fan of pride no, and prejudice no, and on Zomb-? no.
1: nobody, nobody calls it
0: that uh, actually i will have you know <laughs> the pr companies for the film did actually refer to it almost exclusively as ppz Because every time we got an email on it, it was hashtag PPZ so yeah wash your mouth out with soap, sir. Uh, do see it even if you're not an Austin fan go and see this this is actually something really rare to behold I think it's a Curzon exclusive as well Mm. so I know they're distributing so I think it is one purely for their cinemas Uh, but Beckinsale I did not know she had this sort of comedic range in her I've seen her in comedies before doing like rom-coms like Serendipity first film I ever saw her in was was, uh, Shooting Fish which is a favourite of mine Mm. and yet I did not know she could manage this kind of witty broader just absolutely bitingly sharp comedy and I was a big fan of it I never thought I would be but, you but are. here we are uh, <laughs> one final thing though before we before we do the top 10 I do want to point out as well um uns- uh, unspoken hero Unsung hero of the film Is um, the, the guy who's done the score Is uh, Benjamin Esdrafo uh, Wasn't familiar with his work This guy is basically a rock star to me now He has come <laughs> up with this score for this movie this, this, this beautiful score Which has so much personality And so much narrative and tonal uh, Sync to it mm. That you could basically watch this film dialogue free and his score would genuinely convey anything in a scene. Even the humour, the score is terrific. Um, but no, please, unsung hero, this guy, he's the composer of Lidiot? L- Lidiot. Uh, Lidiot. Lidiot. Right. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I was a big fan of it, definitely. I would, uh, I would wholeheartedly recommend it. On to the top ten, then.
1: Number ten. Thomas and Friends, The Great
0: Race. Okay, first of all, this was only showing for two days, and it was on a Saturday and right. Sunday.
1: Well, it's, it's been okay, then, considering.
0: It, I think it has. How much yeah. has it made, I have interest? Uh,
1: 1,400... 1,400? 1, 400... No, sorry.
0: <laughs> is it 100,000? 100, 100, yeah, 100, <laughs> oh, 147,000. Okay, that's that's yeah. fair enough. There's, there was a one in there, okay, so I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> so it was a two-day-only event. I can only imagine this is some sort of intended-for-DVD uh, product that's been given so. a limited release. Um, I didn't even realize there was still a market for Thomas the Tank Engine, but uh, I'm I'm kind Probably of so. I'm above a certain age, and more importantly, this does not have Alec Baldwin as Mister Controller. Really, why was he not the fat controller? Was it a vanity thing?
1: Number nine. Twenty-eight days
0: later, a secret cinema release, which is hanging in the top ten. There, I've noticed it, 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 it is. <laughs> I've, I've noticed it's only since the, the 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 box office takings in general have come down a bit. Mm. Um, I was a big fan of Secret Cinemas. Twenty-eight days later, experience. Um, it had a, a, a really astonishing amount of surprise to it um it was it was it manages to incorporate a full-scale rave in the middle of it not if I mention this to you there was yeah, actually, yeah. actually a rave in the middle of it all, and you know, with a, a really nice but overpriced cocktail bar. And I was a big fan of it. The film is as great as it's ever been. The experience of watching the film as they've laid it out is terrifically immersive. The acting during the film, because they have actors around you, also great. Loved it. Number eight. Our kind of traitor. Well, I think we can all say that this is what's going to kill Damian Lewis's Bond anytime soon
1: because it's just campy as hell. <laughs>
0: He's got billions, it's fine. He's got billions with the Paul Giamatti, have you watched that by the way? Not yet. Not yet. I've seen. I've
1: I've got like seven other things uh, to watch. Saw
0: the pilot. It was great, and Mm. and I think his wife is the chick from Sons of Anarchy, the wife from Sons of Anarchy.
1: Oh, uh, Uh, Tara. Tara from Sons of
0: Anarchy. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so no great series. Neither here nor there. Uh, Our kind of traitor, which you want to be, you know, the night manager, and it's not. (laughs) And it's just this watered down, made for a streaming service, cheap and cheerful spy movie. And the only person who's really having any fun with it all is Stalin Skarsgård. And as enjoyable as he is, he's not a reason to see the film, which is a shame. Number seven. Florence Foster Jenkins. Well, this was a lot of fun, but it was disposable fun. You did come away at the end of it all thinking, well, it's hardly Richard Curtis, is it?
1: And, I mean, that's the thing. Meryl Streep is a lot No of... one's ever said that. No one wants somebody to be Richard Curtis. Really? <laughs> Yeah.
0: I'll be honest. I see a vaguely British uh, sort of comedy. I always want it to sort of be Richard Curtis. I think I've been watching a lot of Blackadder lately. Give me, give me a break. Yeah. But uh, we all want, we all want Blackadder, Richard Curtis, don't we? Yeah, but we've not had Black Out of Richard Curtis for a while. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. We had Warhorse for Richard Curtis. <laughs> no, this is fun. You will enjoy it. You will get into the get into the swing of its of its wild vibe. But I think you will have forgotten it by the time you've gotten home afterwards. Number six A hologram for the King. Now again, this is this falls into the realm of disposable fun as well. Now I really like this film, but I like it in spite of itself. I like that uh, I like that it's it's Tom Hanks and a culture clash comedy, and I think he does really well in it, and he's got the charm to pull it off and when, when's Tom Hanks ever not charming I mean really I can't think of the time exactly mm-hmm. I mean you know Tom Hanks could could do a remake of The Human Centipede and probably pull it off but that is a movie I want to see now but <laughs>
1: <laughs> would he be the Doctor The Human Hanksipede would he be the Doctor or would he be playing all three people chained together you
0: know what he's got the range to pull it all off so <laughs> no, but the thing is with with hologram for the king is as fun as it is and as lively as Tom Twyker makes it visually and on the page and um, the problem is that ultimately once it goes back to being a character film and not the culture clash film it starts to feel a little bit uh, weathered and a little bit thin and doesn't quite come together with the latest film news and reviews this is Offscreen my and we're back with Harold Faltermeyer and Val Kilmer there. So, yeah, you, you were saying during that, I don't, you, you kind of disheartened to find out that Sing Street isn't in
1: the top ten. No, number 11. I'm it's number right? 11. Did yeah. you go and see it, though? D- no, I'm, I'm I'm still planning to go see it, but the notices Well, you know I've why got, it's number 11 think... and not
0: in the top 10 case? Because people like you didn't go and see it, so you have only yourself to blame.
1: I'm sorry for having a job and a life, but <laughs> I'm still going like, to see you're it. You're like those movie.
0: whiny people that never watch live TV and they complain when their shows
1: are cancelled. I'm not like someone <laughs> that decided to go see Thomas and Friends on my... Rare Saturday off.
0: <laughs> well, I didn't go either. You know, it's my yeah. weekend. Unless you want to get me a hangover cure and play my golf you know game I'll, for I'll, me.
1: I will go see it twice next week. There you make go. Up make, make up Try and get it into the top ten next week.
0: So speaking of films you haven't seen, let's talk about The Trust, which I cannot wrap my head around the idea that you haven't seen this because it's a Nicolas Cage movie.
1: Well, yeah, but... I know what type of Nick Cage film it is, so I feel like I have seen this film twelve times.
0: No, no, I promise yeah. you. I promise you haven't seen this film. So, Nicolas Cage plays a downtrodden uh, police property officer in Las Vegas. He he literally runs the property department, and he under his under his care his his subordinate is Elijah Wood, who is a stoner police property officer. And one day, Nicholas Cage happens to be in there dealing with some uh, evidence for for a, a colleague, and he happens upon a car that's being disassembled, and the car is being used, after having been taken in his it it's been discovered that the car contains massive amounts of drugs. And When good old Cage looks into it, what he discovers is in actuality the guy whose car it was who was arrested, was locked up and then immediately paid his bail in cash and walked out. And it was a big bail. What he discovers then is that this guy has somehow gone unnoticed as this massive drug lord. And frankly must have a massive safe that goes with it. So, this being a movie and all, what do you do, Case? What do you... You're looking at me like you're shrugging your shoulders and no. And, and, no. Not on no, no you, well, you rob it. That, that, that's apparently what oh, you do. If you find a massive vault, you have to rob it. Yeah. And of course, he can't do this alone, so he needs to involve All old Elijah Wood. And here's a clip.
1: She never really filmed She had the pot in her hand. Okay, but well, that's all right. She's probably waiting. Where are you going? Your space the is freaking me. Just hold on a second, please. Just there's, there's something to this. Would you just sit down? Just humor me for a second? Let's just talk about it tomorrow. Check out the guy's bail receipt. Excuse me. Excuse me. Boy, this can't be right. It is. How do you know? A checked. Was it a bond? Cashier's check. For $200,000? Yeah. Who paid that? I don't know. What do you think? What do I think? Yes. I think that guy has a friend with deep pockets. That's very deep. Very Good old
0: Cage is back on form, I think. in this. Way. He's not back on full mainstream form, but he's, he's kind of getting some of the way there. Um, this is not quite the madcap caper that we'd all hoped when we saw the trailer. Because remember, obviously, the trailer came out, we were all sending the links round, and, hey, Cage is back, and it's getting a theatrical release. <laughs> oh, my God, it's going to be like 10 years ago again. <laughs> and you think oh he's bringing Elijah with him and of course Elijah Wood's recently come off of, of uh, Wilfred on TV so he's kind of kind of getting back into the game in a very interesting way because the films he's done since have been like uh, Cooties, op- Cooties mm. Open Windows was another oh, yeah. there was the, the Grand Piano I want to say was it Grand? Oh, with uh, John Cusack with John Cusack yeah, that was okay and so he's right. done some quite he's going for interesting horror tinged sort of material and now he's gotten this sort of heist dramedy would be the best way to call it mm. and there's a lot of black comedy to it but what they've done with it is they've gone really deadpan with it. So you wind up with Nicolas Cage effectively doing the Nicolas Cage version of a Louis C.K. performance. and you Because you could hand this over to Louis C.K. without changing a line of dialogue and get a much funnier film. If he starred in films. If he starred in films. As you remind me, he doesn't lead films. He does yeah. appear in films, though. He appears. He not like Trumbo yeah. and things like that. Um, so, the centre of it all, though, is the, the chemistry between Elijah Wood and uh, Nicolas Cage. It's very much a two-hander between the pair. And they they work very, very well off of each other. I think Nick, uh, Nicolas Cage obviously takes the lion's share of it all. He does, for you know, kind of predictably enough, get all the sort of zany quirkiness that you know, the script inherently has within it. And Elijah Wood kind of gets to be the straight man to it all, but he does it fairly well. I was I was kind of gripped by it. Um, I wasn't uh, bored by it at any point. At the same time, I wasn't blown away by it. It wasn't a film that I was going to sit there and go, oh, my God, I can't wait to watch that again. Get the popcorn on. Um It is a film that Cage fans will love, naturally enough, anyway. But it is a film that, I think, if if you showed this to someone in a multiplex, they'd come away going, it was all right. And, to be fair, though, by the standards of the average Nicolas Cage movie of the last five years, that's pretty good, because nobody needs to see Outcast again. I mean, if you remember, I don't think you made it all the way through that, did you? No, I did Did you make but it all I the did, way through? Yeah. I, oh. I don't know why. What brings you here, lads? <laughs> but no, so it's it's perfectly fine. It's it's nothing magic or anything like that. So let's talk then about a bit of sad news for the week because uh, we we lost a literally iconic a uh, actor like mm-hmm. yesterday i believe it was yesterday yeah and uh, he's was one of those i don't think a lot of people knew his name but they knew the guy you show you show people his face they yeah. immediately knew him and they knew his character. and they knew his characters yeah. and he, i am speaking of course of bert Kwok. Yeah. Who most Kato. of most of us know as Kato from Pink Panther, and he appeared in everything though, didn't he? Mm. He was even in The Last of a Summer Wine for like six years. He did turn up in everything, didn't he? Yeah. And my, my, I mean, he passed away yesterday. Sad times. Uh, my favourite uh, comment on Bert Kwok though came from, of all people, Harry Hill. Who said that he met him back in two thousand? And 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 in the course of the conversation, Bert Quark had told him, "Oh, I'm in this new, mu- this new movie. Standard stuff, really. I run a Chinese laundry, and they machine gun me down in the first ten minutes. Usual thing. Standard. I and I love that. I love that. That was I love that. That was something he he felt really great about. It just, you know, what? I'm the guy they call for that. Brilliant. You know what? Fair play, Bert. You shall be missed, good sir. Wasn't he in a
1: Bond film at some point? Uh, yeah, but I'm not entirely sure. Which I'm not one. sure of which. I remember reading about it yesterday. He
0: is one of those actors. Like, he must have been in a Bond film at some point.
1: I'm sure he might have been in two or three. Actually, is as he as a recurring character? But I, I, I have no idea. I cannot remember what the films are.
0: No, that. no, me neither.
1: I, DB for later.
0: So, we should probably finish the uh, the top ten, though, first.
1: Number five. Bad Neighbours 2, or just Neighbours 2, if or, you live in America.
0: Or Neighbours 2 colon Sorority Rising.
1: I'm never saying that.
0: No, I know you're not, but...
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know,
0: and the biggest problem with it is it is kind of more of the same. It starts out promisingly by promising you more, something else, something more in depth, and then... Kind of falls back on, hey, here's the same shtick again. Hey, do you like the airbag gag from last time? Because oh, h- here's <laughs> a bigger version, uh, and this time it has plot relevance, and like, like oh. the Quicksilver scene. Uh, yeah, X-Men. you're like, yeah. really? And and it's just kind of dull. And I say like, I, I laughed a couple of times. I just didn't really. I'd not out. I chuckled a couple of times. Didn't really find it overly
1: hilarious. Number four, Captain America: Civil War. This has crashed down, hasn't it? yeah but it's still just grossed over one billion dollars it has it has this is currently the most successful film of the year. Yes, yes, it is. This is the biggest
0: film of, of twenty sixteen so far. Mm. Although I think we all know that that's just because Finding Dory hasn't come out yet. Yeah, <laughs> because I think we all know that will be the biggest it, film. Of even if it does get
1: overtaken by Finding Dory, I think Disney are going to be okay with it. Oh,
0: Disney are going to be fine. Like if anyone, <laughs> you know, Disney are the ones who the only ones are going to be laughing. Finding Dory
1: versus this. This, Zootropolis, Jungle Book.
0: Yeah, they're having a good year, and they end it all with Star Wars: Civil War. I mean, it is great. If you've not seen it yet. Why haven't you? Go and see it. Number three. And speaking of a Jungle Book, the Jungle Book. <laughs> oh, look, a Disney film. <laughs> uh, shocker. The best part is we'll have Alice Through Looking Glass at, like, number one next week oh, as yeah. well. So Disney are going to have, what, three of the top <laughs> yeah. ten? That's, and that's only because Half Term isn't for another week or so, because then Zootopia will come back into it. And, yeah, so Disney could run out with four films in the top ten. That's, That's mad. That is mad. Yeah. I love the House of Mouse. I really do. <laughs> okay, so uh, the Jungle Book, which I loved, you loved. Yep. How many weeks are we on? Because we have to sing when he gets uh, number ten. We town. are on six currently. We're on it's six on, weeks. we got... on number three. Four more weeks, and we 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 have to we have to sing. Yeah, prepare, to prepare yourselves. It's excellent, though. Do go see it. Number two, Angry Birds. Is it the Angry Birds movie? Is it Angry Birds? What's it written down as? Just Angry Just Birds. Just Angry Birds
1: in brackets three D. Uh, okay. Well, actually, funny enough, I didn't get seen in three D. I only got to in two D. Oh, then you missed a treat. Again.
0: Clearly, I, I feel like my experience was lacking. Um, I actually, I liked it more than most, and it has yeah, it's
1: not got some good notices, has it? really?
0: Well, it has been noted that some of the reception to it has been decidedly snooty, that people have gone in with the attitude of, oh, it's a a phone game, how good could it be? And actually, that's the wrong attitude to take in with it. As far as video game to movie adaptations go, this is actually in the top five, ever, Trust me on that one. I mean, from by all accounts, Warcraft isn't this good. Number
1: one, X Men Apocalypse.
0: Uh, X Men Apocalypse, which this apparently has, has not gone down entirely well. No. Uh, although it has made some money, it, it's got a healthy start at the box office. Mm. It's just, I think people are underwhelmed. This is the you know supposedly the great prequel trilogy yeah. closer, and really it's more of the same.
1: No, I think it comes out in America this coming Friday because everyone's doing mm. all the press rounds and Fallon and stuff like that. As well, they do. Um, you
0: saw it, didn't you? You saw Apocalypse.
1: Yeah, I, I saw it on the midnight release. Uh, not because I was excited, because I was just awake and I wasn't tired. And I was like, oh, I might as well. Because I'm probably going to have to watch it at some point. <laughs> so it was like the opposite of when I went to go see Captain America. And I couldn't think of anything well, else for the We, we all know that that's weeks.
0: exactly why you see the movie. Because you were awake.
1: Because, yeah, I was just... <laughs> What else was I going to do?
0: <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that should be a poster quote. Fair enough, I was awake. <laughs> Case Allen on screen. I, I could do worse right now. I think so. Um, no, I think it's just a waste of everybody involved. It's not only that, it's actually the It's the second weakest film Brian Singer has ever been involved with. I mean, I'd argue that uh, Jack the Giant Slayer is the weakest, but this mm. comes a very close second. It's... Got the same energy as X Men: The Last Stand, and that's a really low bar to try and to try and aspire to. And when when your big added value element is let's get Hugh Jackman to do a cameo, that's frankly not surprising. Nine films into a series, it was more surprising he didn't turn up in Deadpool. To be honest, in fact, if they'd stuck a Deadpool cameo in here, that would actually have been surprising. In a very yeah, strange way. Yeah, and it would have then just kind of overshadowed every single member of It X-Men. would have. And the, the funny thing for me is every time someone mentions X-Men Apocalypse me, and the, the, I'd say 90% of the opinions I get back on it are uh, are that it is disappointing. I, I Honestly, I always think to myself, well, you know what? I'm, I I, kind of, I can just watch Deadpool again, and I'm fine with that. Uh, my favourite comment on the matter was, was, was actually a uh, text to me. This is by Rich Foster. Uh, who's a friend of the show Who actually said From now on You should actually refer To X-Men Apocalypse As X-Men Second Class In, res- in respect oh, to Its remarkable great. averageness That is quite good Isn't it? X-Men Second Class You should have him about Before I said it And I could have stolen his joke I, I know But we, he listens to the show So we kind of wouldn't Get away with it Good joke man Yeah Let's drop the needle With the latest film news And reviews This is Offscreen The on-screen radio show and we're back and dancing. So, oh, I, I, I've got to talk about this because this, I'm a big fan of this film. Good now, this is this is the biggie of the week, I think, next to Alice in, you know, Alison, the Looking Glass, which is of course Money Monster, and this has had the marketing boost of having been featured heavily at Cannes, and uh, well, notably Clooney wasn't there, Julia Roberts and, and Jack O'Connell were there. Jodie Foster's doing a lot of press, and she is as well, but she's mm. also riding the whole pro feminist thing at the moment because every interview I see with Jodie Foster has some sort of feminism related headline, and it's almost like she doesn't direct movies. Okay, fair enough. So what you've got? I mean, are you familiar with the premise? Of this one i oh, am yeah. okay so you've got uh george clooney is lee gates who's the presenter of a financial tv show called money monster which is like a really loosely ba- loosely adapted version of mad money from cnbc you know the one with mm-hmm. the guy who takes baseball caps to coffee mugs and things yeah. like that in fact cameo and iron man doing literally that and uh, Evidently, he has at some point advised his viewers to invest in this stock, in this one company, Ibis, who were, he said, Oh, they're a sure thing. They're, they're safer than a savings account. And then one day, a computer glitch has wiped out $800 million of their stockholders' uh, money. Into this mix comes Jack O'Connell, who plays a young man named Kyle, who has basically gotten the short end of the stick as a result of this uh, financial glitch, has lost his house, etc., all his savings, he's got a kid on the way, and in in retaliation, he wanders onto the set of the TV show and takes George Clooney hostage live on air, demanding that the cameras don't get switched off, and starts to make demands, chiefly that he wants George Clooney and the head of Ibis, who incidentally is played by Dominic West, uh, to answer for what they've done. Here's a clip. Last few months. Hopefully, you've been listening to our little
1: birdie. You got delivery. Don't move. This is a union thing. Oh Jesus. Turn those cameras back on! Turn those cameras
0: back on! Jesus Christ! Whoever's in there, turn those Jesus cameras back Christ. on! Uh, right now! I, I, I
1: can't, okay, turn them off! You're lying! No, turn no, the, no, cameras no, no, the cameras no, on or I'm gonna shoot it! in! Right, I'm going to count to okay. three. Uh, and I swear to God I'm do something. This trigger. Party. Party. One! Paddy, what do you want me to do? Turn it off, Paddy! Two! Party what, Party. 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 what do you want me to do? This is
0: the first Jodie Foster film since... And it was you that pointed out, this out to me. It's the mm. first Jodie Foster directorial effort since 2011's The Beaver. Yes. And I didn't even realise The Beaver was that recent. I thought it was earlier. Yeah, it was about five years ago. But this is... I mean, they're marketing this largely on... You know, a pretty generic poster. Here's George Clooney, here's Julia Roberts. Obviously, it's some sort of thriller. And there's Judy Foster's name down the bottom. Go and see it. And yet, you go and see the film. And actually, what you get is a star vehicle for Jack O'Connell. And he's bolstered by, you know, the massive, overwhelming star appeal of Julia Roberts and George Clooney. Um, The funniest thing about this for me is that I can't stand Jack O'Connell. And yet, I came out of this film thinking... Good God, he can act, and <laughs> and I'm actually now invested in the idea of Jack O'Connell as an unconventional movie star. I actually think it's possible, and I never thought I would say that of Jack O'Connell. And to be fair, that's mostly down to the fact that he always puts in the same performance and he always stars in the same exact kind of films. And the one time he tried to veer away from that, which was unbroken, that was kind of muddled up by not only his awful accent and shoddy makeup, but also the director and writer behind it all. What which was,
1: was what was the NRA uh, war film? The one? Which was one? Which one? Was it 40. Oh, that it was one is yeah, uh,
0: no, 42. Not 42. That's the baseball one. Yeah. I know. That. 71. 71? 71. 71. 71. That's, that was the yeah, one. It. I did think, though, he couldn't play by anyone, mm. that one. Uh, I, was, I enjoyed that. I know you did. I know you did. Because I hate Jack of Colson. I know. You have to like him. That's how it works. Um, so, this is. Um, I, I like a lot about this one. I like the fact that it is very much built on edge of your seat, nail biting tension. And this continuous use of, and very consistent use of humour to undercut it all, and when you've got a performer like George Clooney, that kind of comes somewhat naturally, and it works. Clooney is vintage Clooney in this. This is very, this is everything you want from the Clunetang. This is literally it. And then you get Jack O'Connell at the centre of it all getting a chance to basically shine in this little spotlight that George Clooney and Julie Roberts are providing for him. Julie Roberts is not doing anything that you haven't seen her do a million times before, mm. but she's very reliable in it, and it's, it's almost effortless, this kind of performance she gives. She is the sort of, she's the show director who's in the control booth, who's feeding him the commands, and she, sort of she's the unappreciated you know hero of, of this, this production that goes on yeah. every day. And you think, oh, okay, she kind of does that very well. And it does remind you that very recently, when she tried to do something similar in that film with Chiwetel Ejiofor, The Secret in the Eyes, was it? Oh, yeah, the, the remake. Yeah. The, really, it was the film that kind of let that one down. Actually, oh, Roberts yeah, wasn't really that bad in it. She was kind of just doing the same shtick again. So it can work for better or worse. Um... To be honest, though, there's a, a supporting cast who really make this, and we've, of course, got uh, Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking is Bad. Police
1: chief, or he's the, the
0: chief of the police. Mm. Uh, you've got uh, Dominic West, who is on brilliant, slimy form as <laughs> as the head of Ibis. You've got, and I have to, I have to. Let me just try and with it is. Katriona Katriona uh, Bife I think her name is who's is the star of that series Outlander on Amazon Prime at the oh, moment right. she's got she's got a decent little role in them. and of course a Christopher Denham who you might remember as one of the hostages from Argo mm. and he absolutely seals this although they all seem to be competing at different points it is a very enjoyable cast it's one of those films that we just don't get anymore where it's 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 a for it's the one of
1: those 90s adult thrillers it is. isn't it you could
0: put it this way: if this were if this were Warner Brothers, it would have come in the in the in the cardboard DVD clip case
1: that yeah, I used to love absolutely. so much. And it's a it's a pelican brief
0: kind it, of. It's a pelican uh, brief yeah. sort of an affair, or oh, it's a little bit more light-hearted. I would sum it up as inside man meets margin call by way of network. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good combo, isn't it?
1: Rick, God, network is such a good film. It is, isn't it? Oh, i mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> Anyway,
0: um, and of course, then you've got Jodie Foster, who has managed to step back from from it all and has basically gone and said, right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do Workman-like, but I'm going to inject it with just a little bit more drive than you would expect. And what you've got is a film that doesn't really have any visible personality. None of the director's visible personality to it. It has its own distinct personality, but the director doesn't seem to be imparting their own stamp really in it. They are there to service the story and nothing else. And she's done a tremendous job with it. I've always found her to be a director who does insert herself into a material particularly if you look at things like Home for the Holidays and things like that and I've never I mean I've never seen The Beaver I've got to be honest I've never if seen I mean it's never pretty good
1: it. what else she done did she do uh, Little Man
0: Tate she did yeah. Little yeah. Man Tate yeah. Home for the Holidays uh, The Beaver there is another one somewhere can't quite remember again can't Beaver remember Beaver
1: is good though you should definitely check it out I
0: will I will look into yeah. that but no I, I actually really was blown away by it I thought it was a really solidly entertaining gripping and, and quite funny thriller and you know it, it's one of those films that reminds you that two thirds of its of its central cast are movie stars for a reason and the third is actually kind of an <laughs> unlikely one if you um, give him half a chance uh, yeah and I feel like I need to shower now that I've said that so uh, <laughs> sorry I just, I've got to be honest on that one but uh, so uh, I'm going to give it film of the week if I'm honest it, it kind of okay. deserves it um, but not, not a bad week bro, really. it's not a bad week at all is it but you know next week going to be interesting we've, we've got <laughs> some, some interesting stuff next week we were talking about Angry Birds uh, not being the worst video game adaptation uh, we have got another one next week Duncan Jones mm-hmm. the director of Moon and Source Code brings us Warcraft The Beginning is it Warcraft The Beginning
1: yeah because a film needs a subtitle yeah, yeah why couldn't it just be Warcraft it was originally Warcraft like um, uh, Tomorrowland was Tomorrowland and then Tomorrowland and well beyond,
0: yeah. So we've got Warcraft next week. Um, we've got the Nice Guys next week yes. as well, which I know you're really looking forward <laughs> I to. I cannot
1: wait for that film.
0: Well, funnily enough, I was I was I was talking to people who had been at an earlier screening of it, and they were like, "Oh, it's really good." I don't know what I'd compare it to. I went, Oh, it kind of looks like Kiss Kiss, kiss, bang, kiss bang, bang Bang, and they went, yeah. "Oh, I'd forgotten that film. It's from the same director." He's even said it's like a spiritual sequel. Yeah. To it. <laughs> well, actually, it should be like a spiritual prequel, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. Because yeah, twenty years in it, yeah. apparently it is more slapstick though.
1: I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, it's more kind of out and out of comedy.
0: Uh, we've also got Me Before You. Amelia Clark finally gets a vehicle that doesn't involve robots. <laughs> go figure uh, it's also got Sam Claflin in it apparently he's not bad in it uh, we've got the Jesse Owens uh, biopic Race which I'm really what is it? it's Jason Sudeikis in a serious hmm. dramatic biopic yeah
1: it's never really happened before has, no, I've like, seen
0: I, him tackle has he got the chops we will find out uh, we've got the legal thriller Misconduct starring Josh Duhamel Anthony Hopkins and Al Pacino what could go wrong with that cast
1: I presume the filmed that like over an afternoon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you presume wouldn't you? yeah, or Skype. <laughs> I, I want to point out though, that Anthony Hopkins, legal thriller, not a bad track record because Fracture, I actually quite enjoy. Yeah, I like Fracture, that, that's my much more of my guilty pleasure films. I'd say Gosling, is it? That I is Gosling, yeah, it is. Um, and of course, last but certainly by no means least. <laughs> yeah I did use the I did use the new animated series and, and not the old one I knew that you would yeah <laughs> do, do, you, do you not like the new one no I,
1: I don't like any do you not like the turtles I've never never liked oh, turtles how is that one you're about the right age well yeah we don't particularly like Pokemon either oh, oh, stop oh. painting as, we all, uh, uh, fair paint as enough. All with, with the same brush man
0: no, fa- okay I'm old I'm old I agree yep. with you, but, <laughs> but no but I actually quite like the Nickelodeon turtles so, so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows is next week uh, in 3D and IMAX I believe as well starring uh, Stephen Amell from Arrow of all people Yes, yeah, Casey Jones. That dude is finally going to be in a movie. How awesome it's is about that? Time. It is about time. Yeah. It's If We can only get Grant Gustin. Oh, he's doing a movie, isn't he? He's, he's, doing, doing, he doing? he's doing. some sex addicts comedy, which is just going to be <laughs> awesome because I want to see the Flash in a sex
1: addicts. <laughs> there's there's so many jokes. To make, there bro. is. So, <laughs> there are so
0: many. But so we have got all those to come and more next week. Off screen. This has been a candy store production for on screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been as always Case Allen. And we're we'll back next week
1: just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way you've been listening to Offscreen for more news
0: and reviews visit onscreenfilm.com okay cut that's a wrap podcast extras then Mr Allen so shall we, we fire out some news in between a couple of reviews that we've still got left to do
1: yeah okay Jeff is going to be in a Marvel film oh god how did we forget that oh man do you know who else is Carl Irvin. Yeah, you're saying that with such vitriol. Like, how dare you, Van?
0: How dare mm. you? Uh, yes, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> is going to be. Is he the immortal? He's an immortal. He is.
1: Mortal, he, isn't is he? he is an immortal. He's an immortal. He's meant to be like a self His name musical. is
0: The Grandmaster. That's it. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm imagining something along the lines of Benicio del Toro, collector from Guardians well, of the Galaxy. Well,
1: in, in the comics, they are actually friends. Oh, they actually they are. They that are makes pals. sense. That makes sense. And uh, Carl Urban is playing someone called Scourge. And yes, he's like an
0: executioner type, I believe. That, that, yeah. that
1: is his title. He's Scourge of the Executioner, which is just badass. Oh, that kind of is. Yeah, I saw a picture of Scourge and he just looks like Drax. Yeah, I, I, did, yeah. I did I did he that. Drax kind of look to him.
0: Okay, this, this is for me the worst news of the week Because I, I was What's burnt this? so much I was, like, Back in 2004 I got, I got really burned uh, cinematically By okay. uh, 20th Century Fox And for once it doesn't involve an X-Men movie um, But it was Garfield And Garfield is now oh, coming yeah. back Garfield is going to get An animated feature reboot mm. And yeah All I'm going to say Is if you're not getting Steve Buscemi To do the voice of John Arbuckle There is something wrong with you people because if you were making a live-action one, it should have been Steve Buscemi. Then, if you're gonna do, he just he is him. He is he, he is, is, him, is him, isn't he? Yeah. Although, do you know what I could imagine now either Jason Bateman or Jason Sudeikis. Strangely, they could pull it Definitely off.
1: Definitely more Bateman. You think more? Yeah, you more need Bateman.
0: You need the the, the downtrodden, straight faced kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, they yeah, need that. I'll go with that. I could see Sudeikis pulling it off. Though. Uh, Nicholas Winding Refn. We got to talk about him because he's got a film out soon. He uh, has, and
1: he's been annoying at everyone in Cannes. <laughs> yeah, he has because apparently he released a film that wasn't very good. Well, well that and was just slagging everybody off. Yeah, I heard that one. Yeah. Who was he went after? Was Lars Von Trier? That was
0: Lars Von Trier. Who,
1: to be fair, people aren't massive fans of him anymore no. because of his own comments at Cannes. He, but, yeah, uh, I think we let's
0: just call him an odd, an odd duck. Good old Lars. <laughs> yeah. um, the thing with Nicholas Winning Refn is he he had this film a couple of years ago with Ryan Gosling that was reasonably successful and a lot of people thought it was okay which was true. It's got some fans. It's got yeah. some fans. Sold a couple vinyls people and have got Jackets a t-shirt of Scorpions or two. On. Yes. yes, and it, it's it's somewhat of a neon genre classic. It's it's great. It is it it's is great. great. Okay, let's, and let's also be uh, Bronson with Tom
1: Hardy. and and Bronson. Yeah. The
0: problem was though he followed up Drive with Only God Forgives, which might be one of the dullest movies ever made. And it went to Can and it got booed to death. Yeah. And now he's gone back to Can with the Neon Demon and it got booed to death. And really? This is this how is this guy gonna carry this on? He's just gonna go back every couple of years with another fested turd and get booed to death. And, to death. and at some point he's just gonna, you know, have to realise that you can't take a fetid turd every time mm. and just slate everyone who's there. Doesn't quite work. But he has now, meanwhile, purchased the rights to remake *The Witchfinder General*. Did you know this? I did know this actually. Yeah. Which was Vincent Price, wasn't it? Nineteen sixty-eight. Yes. And okay, he's only going to produce it. He's apparently not going to direct it. He is going to produce it. So this one could go either. But I mean, *Witchfinder General* is regarded as one of the classics of the horror genre entirely. Yeah. One of the one of the actual original horror films, isn't yeah.
1: it? If you're doing a degree in film, you you watch it <laughs> you would wouldn't you yeah. it's yeah. one of you, you've, it's like only a copy of hitchcock trafo you
0: just yeah, you've yeah. seen the witchfinder general it's just one of those things it's so like you people who haven't seen uh, Citizen Kane. This is the, one of those. It's on the shelf. You, you just do it. Um, oh, oh, uh, the Winnie the Pooh biopic. Are you aware of this?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I wasn't. You weren't aware. I wasn't. aware. When I heard
0: this, no, no, I thought now of right, you. Yeah. I thought of you the minute I heard. Okay. You, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so this is this is Margot Robbie is going to star in. Uh, it, it's called uh, Goodbye Christopher Robin. Mm. Uh, it's directed by Simon Curtis. Uh, it is going to star Donald Gleason. Yeah. As A A Milne, the creator of Winnie the Pooh, and it's pretty incredible. That's great casting, yeah. isn't it? It's when I heard Donald Gleason, then I thought of you. That's oh, what it oh was. I oh, yeah. yeah, and because <laughs> because he's one of those case actors. That's what he <laughs> He
1: so is. He came in. Uh,
0: Matty Shoes. <laughs> Matty Shoes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know those weird actors that like, everyone has that weird crop of actors that they specifically like, regardless of how everyone else yeah. feels about. Him. Yeah. Um, who's the
1: one? Uh, Mark Duplass.
0: Uh, I have Jeremy Piven as one of them. <laughs> <Jeremy Piven. laughs> Like I won't watch anything that's got Jeremy Piven. Uh, ten years, man. Ten, ten years. years.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, speaking of Jeremy Piven, it's so a ten years yeah. connection. Um, oh, yeah, sorry, we wrap that up. So Margaret Robbie's going to play the wife in the A.A. A. Milne biopic yes, in which he, he creates uh, Winnie the Pooh based on his relationship with his son, Robin, who, of course, formed the basis for Crystal Robin. I didn't realise as well, Winnie the Pooh and the characters, you know, like Piglet, mm. Eeyore, etc., they are all named for Robin's toys. So how, and, um, how old was, was Robin when he... He had to be fairly young if he had stuffed toys. Okay, sure. so
1: how long is it going to be until Jacob Tremblay is cast? That is, <laughs> that is, that is an
0: interesting point. Yeah, that really is. But so, a good match thing. I watched fourteen oh eight last weekend. Uh, which oh, I, man, I haven't see seen it since a long it came time. out. Yeah. And, of course, that's John Cusack, so you go from Jeremy Piven to John Cusack yeah. quite quite easily. But I'd forgotten how good Cusack is in that movie. It's really good. Like, Remember when John Cusack was
1: an actor you he were really excited some, to watch? It's like one of his last before <laughs> he started doing things like 2012. Before you go
0: into VOD obscurity after that. Yeah,
1: what happened, man? How do you go from being the star of an Emmerich movie to VOD obscurity? I think being in an Emmerich movie. Yeah, and being in one of the much much lesser Emmerich movies, like if he was in Independence Day, if he was like like Goldblum's scientific mate, if he was like another doctor (laughs) or something. Well, if they hadn't
0: brought Brent Spiner back for the sequel, then
1: just get Cusack, get Cusack in a wig. that that could totally work the solution to everything
0: is Cusack in a (laughs) wig
1: I say it all the time
0: but okay so let's talk about uh, Monroy real quick uh, which is the latest stars uh, Vincent Cassell Mm. this um, this is the story of uh, a woman who is injured uh, while skiing goes in for physiotherapy on her knee and while she's there undergoing a treatment flashes back on the most important relationship of her life which happens to be with Vincent Cassell because if you're in France you have to have a relationship with Vincent Cassell that's just absolutely they, yeah, they or, ask you at immigration. Or de yeah, they yeah. ask you at immigration. It's like you're here for business, pleasure, or a relationship with Vincent Cassell and A bit of both, really. Yeah, yeah, and you can say, well, no one has ever <laughs> said I'm in a relationship with Vincent Cassell and having pleasure at the same time. So <laughs> I've, I've seen Black Swan. <laughs> exactly. So this is directed by uh, Mai Wen, who is not someone I'm entirely familiar with, and stars uh, Emmanuel Burko. She, I believe, uh, got the best actress that can for this. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, tr- title translates to My King. It is about the dysfunctional relationship between these two. Starts out great as these things always do. And then, of course, that they, it starts to break down over time. They have a child together. There's separations. There's reconciliations. And, of course, it's all about, really, can you get out of your own way, effectively, in a relationship? That's sort of the central theme to it. It's not really played as as being anything other than just a, 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 a down-and-dirty, to-the-grit-of-it relationship mm. story. It's I say it's entirely in French, hence we don't have a clip. Um, but Cassell and Burko are both wonderful in it. They they really they, they manage to make quite unlikable characters quite sympathetic. They are unlikable. I mean, he for instance is very much a hedonist and she's very much a level headed homebody type. And despite the fact that they are both are equally flawed and dysfunctional and unlikable. They are played very sympathetically. And I'm surprised actually that Cassell is as likable as he is because his character is a real <laughs> scumbag. Um, no, I did like it very much. Uh, My Wen's uh, handling of it is there is a very floaty quality to it all. There's a very ethereal, mm-hmm. very you, you are riding the wave of emotions sort of sensibility to it. But uh, I liked it. I thought it was really well acted, really well written. Um, it, it does need cheering up a bit. It's not the kind of thing you'd watch after a bad day, mm. if you know what I mean. <laughs> but at the same time, if you watched it when you were having a really, really good day, it may well ruin your mood. But uh, worth seeing either way. So, what else we got on the news this week?
1: Uh, Charles Roven. Do you know that name?
0: Oh, is he the producer guy from Batman? Yes.
1: Yes, okay. he is. So he is did. He's he a Nolan producer? Is that what is that well, why I know him? No, he is a Nolan producer. Mm. He's a producer on Man of Steel, on BBS. Basically, all, all, the, all the DC movies all the ones, since DC Batman Begins, though. Uh, he's now been pulled from um, his normal producer day-to-day duties. Ew. So... Is this some because the last one there? tanked? Quite possibly. Hang on,
0: when you've got a guy who produced Batman Begins and The I Dark know. Knight, yeah. how do you blame that guy... For Batman, Superman.
1: Surely you just give that guy more power and be like, do more of what you did previously. Yeah, I, with... I want,
0: I want all of that in here. Yeah, that's how it works. This thing yeah. that
1: you've been connected with less of that, but more of what you used to do. Yeah. Very
0: true. Have you heard about Dwayne Johnson's new franchise? This is. Oh, uh, what has he got now? <laughs> exactly, because. I follow Dwayne Johnson on Instagram, so I can pretty much tell Tetris. you. Where he's, can... he's doing the Tetris movie. Yeah, he's, he's
1: the block. He's going to be the block. <laughs>
0: he's the block. Oh, <laughs> this thing, because that, you...
1: that poster just makes itself the rock is the block. Rock
0: is the block. Rock oh my block. God. Uh, this is the thing, though, because if you follow Dwayne Johnson on Instagram, you can account for his whereabouts 24 hours a day. Oh, of course. And I don't yeah. know
1: when he's making movies
0: because they're not on his Instagram feed.
1: But He's always taking pictures of Zach Efron's abs all the time. Well, yeah, but Look I, what we've I, just I shot. figured that Here's was more of a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> that was his downtime. If, if, if I if I was playing Zac Efron, I'd I'd just be a photographer. Definitely, that'd but, be my job. So Dwayne Johnson is going
0: to start. We, we've known for some time. He's going to star in the Jansen Directive, which is a uh, an adaptation of a Robert Ludlum novel. Mm. But here's where it gets interesting. Universal are now taking all of the Robert Ludlum novels that they've got <laughs> in development and just go, just starting to connect them tenuously, and they're going to make a cinematic universe out of it. Of course they yeah. are, because why not? That yeah. they've got a cinematic universe led by Dwayne Johnson. What could possibly go wrong? If there's any cinematic universe that's going to work, it's probably that. Yeah. Yeah. You just think... Like, it's, so it's, it's got more legs than a Marvel. Yeah. Than <laughs> so, so so basically we're going to get born with Dwayne Johnson yeah. multiple times. In. Sold. If you've got an installment... Because wasn't there going to be a, one of the Tom Hardy ones? One of the Tom Clancy ones was going to be made with Tom Hardy at one point.
1: He was doing Splinter Cell. Splinter Cell, that's it. That's still yeah. happening. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that it is. I think that's... I've not, I've not heard that in some time. Nah. I'm Ripped sure you what him. happened. Oh, this is this is just broke. Go on, what do you got? What do you got? And it's like, well, duh, obviously news. Okay. So, w-
0: what have you got? <laughs> What's Kevin Feige done now?
1: He hasn't done anything, but his <laughs> his mama company, Disney. <laughs> oh yeah. What they've done now? They are eyeing. Would you bloody well believe it? A live action version of The Little Mermaid. What? Because, like, obviously, obviously, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Of course, of course. Because, well, for one thing. Universal, were already doing a yeah, mermaid. but their one's going to be based on the book. Yeah, it's and going to be Hans Christian Andersen. It's, going, yeah, to it's going to be based on the book, and she's Chloe not going to be a redhead. And,
0: and yeah. yeah, Now, screw I, that. I tell you something. My other half went nuts when that news broke. When when it when it when it got now, she 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 doesn't like Chloe Moretz. Mm. When it was announced <laughs> that Chloe Moretz was going to be the Little Mermaid, she was like, uh, don't care." Yeah. When it was announced that Chloe Moretz wasn't going to be a redhead for the part. She lost it. World War 3. Snapped. World, World
1: War 4. Is she a big fan of The Little Mermaid? The She's a big Disney fan ridden. of
0: The Little Mermaid. Apparently, that was the straw that broke the camel's back when it emerged that Ariel wasn't going to be a redhead.
1: What? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Like, Little, I mean, little you, John you style. Trying... what? What? <laughs> You think that Universal done that to distance themselves away? It seems so. so. So if Disney are
0: going to do one as well, they presumably are going to do one that's closer to the to the, the Disney version. So that's how you'll you'll be able to. Oh, I'm going to see the little mermaid. which one, Redhead or blonde? Uh, red that's, that's how it. you'll do it. That's how we're going to differentiate. But um... are we going to go walk up to the box office? With, like, can I have two for the little redhead? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hopefully they're not going to call it that. <laughs> that would
0: be brilliant. But, uh, yeah, and that was the one that uh, Sophia Coppola walked away from, the Universal One. Yes.
1: Yes, she she was attached and then she was like, yeah, no.
0: It doesn't surprise me that Disney are going to do a uh, a little Mermaid movie because these live action fairy tales are making all the money. And the trailer for Beauty and the Beast this week has almost oh, spurred it
1: that. Broke records. It was like the most that viewed trailer in twenty four hours. It knocked be the Star Wars off ever, It really is. It
0: really is. It really be-
1: is because there literally is not a girl alive. Well,
0: I was going to say between a certain age. No, there isn't a woman alive who doesn't love the uh, would, doesn't love Beauty and the Beast. I would go further than that. I would think of people of our kind of age range. Oh no, we, yeah. So, but do you find though that you have a respect for Beauty and the Beast as a guy? You have a your your respect for Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. and your fandom of it mm-hmm. is based on having encountered it through cousins, sisters, mothers, etc. Because I'm no. a younger sister, that's how I know it.
1: Well, I I'm an only child, but my my love of it was through the songs. Really? Yeah. I old like, odd house you lived in.
0: That seriously, is, man. No. Like,
1: that, that and Little Mermaid, really, uh, yeah. were my two favourite Disney's. Uh, That's good. And then Hercules happened. I was like, uh, okay, yeah. Hercules. Well, You see, younger sister, amazing.
0: so I didn't have a choice in watching these things. It was pretty much Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast on rotation.
1: No, pretty much anything that Alan Menken is involved with. Oh,
0: it was those two. Oh, no, those two and. What is it? It's eighty nine. No, it's just those two. Okay. I always like to think there's a third. It's because I include Aladdin in my head mm. as being part of that perfect Disney trilogy. Yeah, but uh, Aladdin is my favourite Disney movie. I think
1: Aladdin is great, but it's it's like saying that Lion King is.
0: Have you seen that meme it's for Aladdin? Favorite. It's a very weird favorite. thing where it points out that when he's homeless at the beginning of Aladdin, mm. he he's meant to look sort of. Persian or Iranian, and then at the end when he's rich, <laughs> to get a bit he's, he's been painted lighter. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, that, that, it, that's a very very worrying thing. I've never looked at it,
1: but he's meant to be based on Tom Cruise, isn't he? Yeah, I heard yeah, that like, yeah. in, in his face
0: physically. I could sort of see that. It's the nose, isn't it? It's that conk. It is. Because it's that he's, iconic conk. He's got
1: the Tom Cruise conk. <laughs> that's, that's a dance move. So Tom let's Cruise conch.
0: Let, let's let's talk about uh, something you'd like to conk. Uh, Top Cat begins. Uh, Which opens this week um, following uh, huge acclaim by no one. And uh, (laughs) huge huge anticipation by no one. And uh, the sequel to the popular Top Cat the movie, which was adored by no one. And uh, this is the origin story, would you believe, Case, of how Top Cat came to meet his friends. Hence the name. yeah, Yeah, and Officer Dibble and find the backyard with the trash cans that they live in. And, and along the way there was a crime boss who's an alligator called Mr Big and they took him down because that's what they did and yeah, here's a clip
1: You can call me Top Cat Top Cat is back oh, There should be music when I say that, trumpets Shouldn't there be trumpets? See where it all began Dapper, thank you And how he rose to become leader of the gang And Top Cat begins Find out how he met Benny the Ball. My name's Benny, but everybody calls me, Hey, you, or get out of my sight. And, of course, the hapless Officer Dibble. Dibble, get in here. So somebody more talented than me needs to recut the Batman Begins trailer in that style with that music.
0: Uh, I don't know how to say it other than just say, my life, really. Just dear God. Oh, TC. Oh, (laughs) man, this is... This is a real choice. Tro- I mean, it's the best nap you'll take in 2016. Mm. That, that, that's, that's saying, you know, it goes without saying. Did really. you
1: ever used to watch Top Cat when you were a
0: getting- kid? I did, yes, mm. I did watch Top Cat. So you can imagine, you know, I was, I was one of those people who was quite excited about Top Cat the movie. Um, <coughs> the best thing to say about Top Cat the movie, uh, Top Cat Begins, sorry, uh, is that there's a point very early on in which Top Cat and Benny are on the run. They're being chased by yeah. some dog gangsters or whatever they are. <laughs> And they hide in some trash cans, and they, when, when the coast is clear, they emerge from the trash cans, the lids come mm. up, and they just start tossing out what's in the trash can so they can climb out. And they they, they weren't tossing out multiple DVD copies of Top Cat the movie. And it's this self-referential thing where they're trying to say, oh, we don't want to be reminded of that rubbish. And you think, <laughs> yeah, this somehow is worse, because at least when we saw Top Cat the movie, we didn't sort of know how bad it could be. And now no, we no. we kind of know how bad it can be, and we hope that you're doing you 're going to do better, and you 've just done worse. And no, it's really lazy. There's no effort that's been put into any part of it. And this is written by uh, a guy, one of the one of the writers of uh, uh, what do you call it, Book of Life. The Cameron hmm. Todd produced it, didn't he? He produced it. He didn't direct it. Well, that's the thing. It, uh, Doug Langdell has has wrote, wrote on that. He's written. He's one of the writers on this. And you think, okay, there should be some creativity in it. And no, no, there is not. What you've got is this movie that I don't know what it wants to be. I don't know what it thinks it is. It opens with this horrible Reservoir Dogs pastiche. It looks like 1998 tried to reproduce the Money for Nothing video. And then it's got all these pop songs that I think are trying to make it current, yet they're all about three years old. Mm. So you wind up listening to American, American Authors with Best Day of My Life and All About That Bass. And you're thinking, what, what, what's next? Are you gonna, st- are you gonna start playing Uptown Funk or something? What's going on here? Just, you know. So if you doze off, you'll wake up during the end credits when it's playing Best Days of Our Life for the fourth time, and you might actually think, <laughs> oh my god, I've snoozed myself back in time, uh, which I believe is actually a plot point in uh, Alice in Looking Glass, incidentally. Watch Falls asleep. It mm. <laughs> goes back in time. Um, it, it looks horrible. It looks like subpar animation for an iOS game. Like, if you saw a kid playing this on an iPad, you'd be like, what is that nonsense? <laughs> um, Moshi Monsters is a better animated than this. Um, it's one of those films. It would feel it feels patronising to assume that children would like it, because it's one of those films that you just you think actually is talking down to kids. It's insulting the intelligence of those who are watching it. It is a film which simply does not care about trying to provide entertainment, trying to provide any kind of compelling narrative, trying to tell a story that anybody gave the faintest about, and. In the end, you just watch it. Thinking this wasn't an origin story I-, I needed to know. This this isn't another story you needed to tell. Mm. No one asked for it. No one's going to care about it, and certainly no one's ever going to want to see it again. It is awful, and it goes on for ninety agonisingly long minutes. If this were a half an hour TV special, it would feel forced, right. and yet here we are with a mm. ninety minute version of it. Wow. Okay, I appreciate that. I mean, according to its Wikipedia page, it's open to mostly negative reviews. And I can see why. The only real question is whether or not this actually is worse than worse than and, than Top Cat the movie, mm. because you've gone from two D Adobe Flash animation to horrible rounded three D computer generated imagery. And frankly, I'm not. It, there's a real debate on which one looks worse. Mm. The Halifax adverts that feature Top Cat and Benny are actually more enjoyable than this. Um, I would what, rather what hear, hear about, about APRs than watch this movie.
1: What is it all about? As well, because it doesn't even tie in to this film. It's, like it's incidental. It just happened. It just happens to be. There's, there's no that? reason for it. It's just there. By the way, did you see the
0: Star Trek Beyond trailer of the weekend?
1: Yes, I did. Have you seen the new poster as well?
0: Yeah, the international mm. one. Yeah, some, some awesome posters oh, yeah. for that. Yeah, but I'm excited about that movie. I am. But,
1: so. I'm getting more excited. I am getting excited. I, I wasn't. I wasn't one of the people that was like. <laughs> that killed by terrible. Star Trek. What of they? Why is Kirk on a bike? <laughs> like, yeah, I wasn't one of those kind of yeah, you, people. I was just kind of like...
0: We've had Kirk in a convertible. I think Kirk on a bike's fine.
1: That's it. It's it's not too bad. <laughs> you know, but, um,
0: we had well, Beastie Boys in a convertible.
1: As good as that second trailer is, it definitely feels like it's been cut together to try and bring back some positive momentum to it. It does, but I don't yeah. understand these people. Which makes sense. All, really?
0: yeah, it's not my Star Trek. It's not meant to be your Star Trek. You had your Star Trek. You had ten movies and five TV series. Well, yeah. four and a half, technically, but... enterprise is a new version yeah Yeah, uh you you had your star trek let everyone else have theirs now and to be honest with you i was always in the school of thought even as much as i loved star trek growing up i was always of that school of thought that believed actually sometimes it could do with a shot in the arm and and just an action episode and you know a movie that i mean first contact is regarded as one of the better ones for a reason yeah because it goes sci fi action horror. Mm. And when it did that, people took people paid attention. Mm. And so yeah, there's that. So let's see what else we've got in the news before we uh, before we jack it in for the week then. So there's there's always something to cover. Oh, uh we've got to talk about James Franco's film. <laughs> which one? <laughs> right. This this is James Franco's Future World. Which does that not sound like a placeholder title to you? He has co written, he's co written, he's come up with a story, then co written and co directing this one. He's also going to star in it. Uh, Mila Jovovich has now joined it as well. Okay. It's also going to star. uh, You're going to love this. Seth Rogen? No, no. Really? Lucy Liu and (laughs) Snoop Dogg. Yes.
1: That's what every film needs. (laughs) Every movie needs needs Snoop Dogg.
0: That's exactly what happens. Uh, Meanwhile, Uh, D-O-double-G. D- I- is he is he Snoop Lion now? Is he? Just... He was Snoopzilla for a while.
1: Was he Snoopzilla? Yeah. Oh, he... he went into more of like a like a Parliament, George Clinton funk. Oh, okay, kind of I'm bit. I'm not keeping up on my Snoop here. Clearly, I want to see what is next. I want I want like some Snoop folk. <laughs> Snoop Snoop Garfunkel Snoop Gnome <laughs> Snoop Gnome. But
0: uh, uh, and so, one last one then from me. I mean, have you got anything you want to go with? Uh,
1: I am. I know. I know what webs, I saying. But um, I'm not. I'm not seeing anything. I might just try and make up some news and see if it sticks.
0: That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, right. I, I came across this bit of news, and the more I looked into it, the more bonkers it got, and the more fascinated by it I became. Right. So Numira Pace has got a new job. Right. Numi Pace, who kind of needed a new job because she got unceremoniously sort of locked out of uh, Prometheus Two. Yeah, Ark of the is. Covenant whatever it's called uh, <laughs> Alien Covenant isn't it yeah
1: <laughs> um,
0: yeah so she's, she's not in that anymore so she's, she's in need of a new job she's gone and she's signed on to this film Bright over at Netflix which is yeah, yeah which is oh, being yeah. direct, written and directed mm-hmm. by David Ayer Yeah, who of course is, is currently wrapping up on Suicide Squad and, and lining up I'm sure the next five DC movies because it seems to be the only one they're confident in at yeah. the um, This movie is going to cost $95 million, which has got to be a record for Netflix. It, it's going to star Will Smith yes. and Joel Edgerton. And it's the description that got me. Okay, It's being described as tonally similar to End of Watch, but set in a world in which fairies and orcs live alongside humans.
1: And it's going to star Will Smith and Joel Edgerton yeah. and, Joel Edgerton in mocap as an orc.
0: Yeah. Great. Okay. This sounds. sounds This sounds bonkers. I can't wait for it. Can I have it now, please, Netflix? That that is (laughs) that is just delightfully insane. But uh, on which note, here it is. Your moment of cage. I'm going to ask you one more time.
1: Please, open it. Open it. Open it. Open it! Open it! Open it! Open it! Over it! Over it! Over it! Open it, open it!